if you have your Bible this morning, I pray that you do, that you'll take it out. Uh, and uh, I'll direct you here in just a second, just get it ready. <laughs> but uh, it's good to see you. Uh, if you remember, we started a couple of weeks ago with our series on Faithful, and we began by with an introduction and talking about truth. And then last week, if you were not here, you really missed it. Uh, we had our missionary guest, uh, Blake and Megan Hunter. They are, were with us uh, going back to uh, South Africa. In fact, this uh, here in just a couple of days, they'll be flying back to South Africa. And so I pray uh, for them as they travel. But he really crystallized that idea of being a steward of the truth in sharing what we read, what we read in Matthew chapter 9 when Jesus, he looked on the multitudes and they were white on the harvest. And he talked about the need for you and I to see people, to engage people, to have compassion towards people. And, and doing that in such a way that we would share the gospel with people. And certainly in 2021, people need the gospel. Amen? Amen. And so uh, I'm glad that you are here this morning. I want to begin. Look with me uh, first off in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll just read one verse and then we'll move on this morning. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse number 2, the Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Ladies, I got news for you. Man there, anthropos, means human being. That means you too. It is required that a man or a woman be found faithful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you will do through your word in this place today. We thank you for those that are here in person, and we thank you, Lord, for those that are worshiping with us online. Lord, we pray for those that are dealing with COVID restrictions and quarantines and, and those that are recovering and those, certainly the family members that have lost loved ones. God, we pray that you would just uh, be with each and every family member. Certainly, we think of Jessica Martin and her family today. Certainly, Lord, we think of others who have lost loved ones. Lord, I think of Abby and her brother Rick as he'll be having surgery this week. I pray for him. God, that you would work in a miraculous way in his life and in his health. God, that you would be with doctors this coming Friday. Lord, I pray that now you will have your will in your way and that you will use this message not only to encourage and to bless, but God, that you might use your word to challenge us. God, when we walk away from this place, when we turn off the computers or we turn off the TVs, God, that we'll be desiring to be more like Christ. Lord, that you'll be honored and glorified through it all. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen and amen. And so, as I said, we started a couple of weeks ago with this idea of stewardship and biblically suggesting that stewardship is a God-given responsibility, but it's a responsibility that you and I have with accountability. And uh, whenever I say the word accountability, I think of my wife. She's an accountant. And so she, she gets excited with numbers. And uh, maybe that's uh, you. I don't get excited with numbers. I mean, uh, my son has taken more math than I ever care to think about. And uh, I mean, when numbers and you start to do math and it requires a, number, uh, uh, a bunch of letters and a bunch of uh, formulas and equations, you can count me out, okay? Uh, just give me two plus two, all right? And I hope it equals four still. 
who knows, in this world in which we live, maybe that doesn't, maybe that's not truth anymore. Uh, but anyway, uh, you may recall how I suggested, though, that as Christians, as Christ followers, God has called us stewards. The reality is that you and I, we don't choose to be stewards. A lot of people say, well, pastor, I just don't choose to be a steward right now. Got news for you. You never chose to be a steward. God calls you a steward. Once Christ comes in, you are a steward. The question is, as the series title suggests, the question is whether we're going to be faithful or whether we're going to be unfaithful stewards. Now, as soon as somebody says, man, are you being unfaithful? Sometimes that can hurt. I mean, that rubs the fur the wrong way. And so we have to ask ourselves these questions. And with that being said this morning, obviously you can see the text. Turn with me to James chapter 3. In James chapter 3 this morning, uh, I want us to look at that passage. And as you're turning to James chapter 3, I want to remind you of the four principles that we discussed a couple of weeks ago of stewardship. You notice the principle of ownership, the idea that God owns everything. The principle of responsibility. God entrusts us with everything that we have. And guess what? That means that I'm responsible, you're responsible for the things that we've been blessed with. We see the principle of accountability. God expects us, folks, He expects us to manage well. The air that we breathe, the life that we live, the things that we have, the resources, our time, and on and on. He expects us to manage these gifts in a way that brings Him honor and glory. And then obviously we looked at the principle of reward, the idea that God is the only one who exalts or rewards us in the end. And so this morning I believe that God is wanting us to look at somewhat a familiar passage of Scripture to consider the stewardship or the management, if you please, of what I consider to be one of the greatest gifts God has ever blessed us with. And sadly, it's one of the gifts that we misuse the most. And that's the gift of our tongue. You know, I put in my notes that God is the greatest of all communicators. Would you agree? God is the greatest communicator of all. In fact, we see in His Word that when God speaks, watch this, when God speaks, things happen. Isn't that good? When God speaks, things happen. You remember in Genesis 1, in verse number 3, it was God. It said, and God said, let there be light. And I'm so thankful that when God said, let there be light, there was light. I'm so thankful. The Bible says in Psalm 33 and verse number 6, I think we have that. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by, watch it, by the breath of whose mouth? His mouth. When God speaks, things happen. In Psalm 107 and verse number 20, the Bible reveals that God's word actually heals and delivers and then, I think they've got it up, Isaiah 55, in verse number 11, it celebrates the fact that when God's Word, when it goes out of His mouth, that it does or it accomplishes exactly what He pleases and prospers to the thing where He sends it. And so when God speaks, when God communicates, things begin to happen. And honestly, I don't know about you, but when I read God's Word and I see that when He speaks and He communicates, it's as if He makes it look real easy, isn't it? It's like, well, God speaks and things happen. Let there be light. And there was light. And, and He heals and, and He brings about. And, he, and by, the, by the word of the Lord, all things are made and, and all things are consisting in Christ Jesus. And so we look at it and we say, man, that certainly is hard. When He says something, things happen and He makes it look easy. And meanwhile, what you and I, we struggle, don't we? 
Let me ask a real honest question this morning because it's already gotten quiet. You know, when we talk about the stewardship of anything, it gets quiet. It's probably the least favorite series that a pastor will preach all year long. I preached, in fact, uh, some of the staff members and I were talking about how before the election, I was preaching this whole pre-election series, and man, this place was, Amen, brother, get them, sick them to a dog, sick them to a dog. And then I said, hey, we're going to do a series called Faithful on Stewardship. <laughs> okay, do we have to? Oh, I guess it's January, first things first. Oh, well, well, we'll put up with it, Pastor, but please bring us something in February on love. I mean, guys, this is important for our growth. And we struggle. I put down in my notes, listen, for some reason we struggle not only from time to time, but most of the time with the use or management of this beautiful gift. In fact, James chapter 1, and I've referred to this before, but in James chapter 1 in verse number 14, the Bible tells us that every man is tempted, watch it, when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Now think about it for a second. Every man, ladies, that's you too, every man or woman is tempted when he or she is drawn away of their, her, his or her own lust and enticed. And this is clearly seen when it comes to the stewardship of our tongue and this gift of communication. And uh, over the years, and I think I've, I've used this uh, analogy with you guys, and I certainly know, I look around and I have done premarital counseling and counseling with a number of of folks throughout the congregation and our community. And I've always put it like this. The reality is that our desire, watch this, our desire leads to action and our actions lead to consequences. And that's true with our speech too. That's true with how we talk to one another. The desire says, let's, let me remind you of some things. Well, I just want to be heard. And so therefore I'm going to get loud so I can be heard. Well, good news. You get loud, you start doing things that you ordinarily wouldn't do. You start saying things that you wouldn't say. I'm just angry, Pastor, and I just want to be right one of these times. He's always right or she's always right. Guess what? When you start talking in a way that desires to be right all the time, even though you may not be right and you know that you're not right, but you communicate that way, guess what? You take actions, and those actions reap consequences. A lot of times we say, well, I just want to move on. I don't want to deal with this problem anymore, Pastor. I just want to, you know, shuffle it under the proverbial rug, so to speak. Well, guess what? When you do that, you have problems with your communication. And so our desires in communication lead to actions, and our actions lead to consequences. And the unfortunate thing is that more lives, more homes, more businesses, and dare I say, more churches have been destroyed, watch it, have been destroyed by the unbiblical use of the tongue more, more than by any other cause. Oh, the tongue is such a wonderful gift, but we have to manage it well. So what's the answer? I say the answer is better stewardship. So look with me in James chapter 3. We're going to rapidly go through, and I don't want to read the text all at once. We're going to go a few verses at a time, and I want you to see what God has to say to us this morning. Beginning in verse number 1 and 2 of James chapter 3, it says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, 
and able also to bridle the whole body. So the first principle, if you're a note taker, the first principle that we need to understand today is words have incredible power. Would you agree? Words have incredible power. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie, a lie, a lie, a lie. How many people in this room and online, you can click a like or a heart button or whatever. How many people have been hurt by somebody else's words? You ever been hurt by words? Now, here's the real tough question. How many in this room and how many online, maybe you click the oh my button or the frowny button. How many in this room know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your words have hurt somebody else? You see, there's power. Oh, there's power in our words. And when I think about it, our ability to speak, our ability to talk, as Genesis 2, 7 says, it, is only, it only became possible, if you please, when God, the Bible says, when He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and He became a living soul, the ability to speak was not there before God did that. So that tells me, one, that words are powerful because if God breathed into man's nostrils and he became a living soul, that means that words are divine. That means that they're not only divine, they have divine power. And so we have to be careful. In fact, Scripture tells us that our words wield the power of life and death. Do you know that Scripture says that? In Proverbs 18, 21, the Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I was reading this week and read uh, some words of A.B. Watton. A.B. Watton, years ago, he put it this way by saying, the power of the tongue is infinitely reproductive. It continues to produce, right? And notice he goes on and says, and its effects are incalculable. And so other words, the reality is that there's a huge responsibility when it comes with this little thing called the tongue. Oh, it comes, this responsibility comes with this dispensary of words. Our words can either direct life or our words can cause catastrophic damage. Look at verse 2 again of James chapter 3. And the Bible says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Folks, no one's exempt. No one's exempt. The pastor's not exempt. The churchgoer's not exempt. The employer is not exempt. The employee is not exempt. The, the young person is not exempt. The senior saint is not exempt. A lot of times, what's crazy to me is I run into some senior saints who think they've arrived and think that they have the ability and the responsibility to correct everybody and everyone. And sometimes the senior saints are the ones who let their tongues get out of control. What's crazy to me? Senior saints, I love you. You ought to be setting the example for these young people. Young people, you ought to be looking to somebody who's setting a biblical example instead of looking to somebody in the world to follow. Oh my goodness, we have such a responsibility when it comes to our words. No one's exempt. We, 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 I just took a poll. We all stumble. We all stumble when it comes to our words. And lest anyone thinks they are perfect, you notice James says, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Well, unless, unless, lest any one of us think that we're perfect, let me ask you a few questions. I wrote these down and they were quite uh, 
convicting when I wrote them down. Does your tongue always reveal that you're patient and long-suffering? Does your tongue always reveal that you are kind? Does your tongue reveal that you are rejoicing in truth? Does it speak to the fact that you are always bearing, believing, hoping, and enduring all things as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth? Does, does your tongue indicate that maybe, maybe you struggle with anger? Maybe does your tongue indicate that you struggle with a little bit of envy or jealousy? Or, or maybe your tongue indicates that you're just a rude person. Maybe your tongue indicates that you're a little puffed up with knowledge. Oh, we could go on and on. James says, for in many things we offend all, and if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. Look at the illustrations he gives us in verse 3 and following. Look, he says, behold, we put bits in horses' mouths. How many people here are horse people? The reason you put a bit in a horse's mouth is to do what? To control it. Notice the illustration. He says, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. And then he goes on and gives another illustration in verse 4. Behold also the ships which, though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm. You know, wherever the governor lists, wherever the, 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 uh, the captain of the ship desires for that ship to go, he, he turns it with this small helm. And look at verse 5, he says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Oh, my friends, just like a bit in a horse's mouth or the small helm of a ship, if you please. James is comparing our tongues here in Scripture to a small flame or a spark that would set an entire forest on fire. Oh, we must be careful with how we manage our tongues. In Proverbs 13 and verse number 3, the Bible says, He that keepeth, and that word keepeth has the idea of guarding. He that keepeth or guards his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Well, my friends, as wise stewards of this gift, we need to grasp the power of our words and, and our tongue. James says it's a little member, right? But he says that it, it, it boasts a huge amount of power. And when I think about our tongue being a little member, and I think about how incredibly powerful it is, I think about what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, in verse number 12 and 13. Now listen to it. You don't have to turn, but listen to what, what Paul writes to the church here in Romans 6. He says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Verse 13. Neither yield ye your members. Hello. Reference what we just read, where James is talking about the tongue is a little member. Now watch it. He says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield ye yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members, watch it, here it comes, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. In other words, James is saying, Take that little tongue, that you have a little problem with and no man can tame it, right? He says, take that little tongue and instead of yielding your tongue to sin, he says, yield it as a tool, as a utensil of righteousness. Anybody play a musical instrument in here? Musically inclined? This is a musical gift right here. 
This is a musical gift. You can either make it sound sweet and beautiful, or you can sing the ugliest, most profane, most obscene song. And when, I'm not just talking about music. I'm talking about the words that we speak and the manner in which we speak them. Oh, my friends, that's why I tell people all the time, quit doing this with one another and pick up the phone and call somebody. Because a lot of times you text something, and maybe Regina, I'm picking on Regina, you're right here. You might text something to somebody and they interpret it as the fact that you're angry and you're not angry. Or they may interpret it another way that's inconsistent with your heart's desire. And then what happens is that person responds, what are you so angry about? Boom, boom, boom. And then the thumbs start doing the talking. And by the way, if you're doing this, it's just like you're doing this, talking. We have to be so very, very careful with our tongues. Let's pick back up. Look at verse number five again. The end of verse number five, back in James, James chapter three. The end of verse number five. Went one page too far. The end of verse number five, it says, Behold, behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Look at verse six. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and is setting on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Has anybody ever seen the destruction of a forest fire? Have you ever seen the destruction that these wildfires do? out near the West Coast. If you've ever seen the destruction there, uh, and, and actually they made a movie years ago, and I can't think of the movie's name, where they, they kind of followed one of these fire crews uh, that went out to try and take care of the wildfires. But if you've ever seen the effort that it takes to contain the damage in these wildfires, it would amaze you. James is saying it takes that same effort to contain the damage that sometimes this little member can do. We need a full-time, we need a full-time guard, we need a full-time staff, if you please, a full-time crew to be ready to watch what our tongue says. Our speech can do the same type of damage that a wildfire does in our marriages, in our families, our work environments, our relationships at school, young people, in the marketplace and otherwise. All of them can be affected in an instant because of the power of our words. And, and so it's very important that you and I understand this first principle and the incredible power of our words. But I want to say this, knowing and applying this second principle is critical. And the second principle is simply this. Only Jesus, watch it, only Jesus can help us to become better stewards of our tongue. Look at verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of the things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now look at verse number 8 again. But the tongue can no man tame. Again, the word man referencing the word anthropos in the Greek speaking of a human being, not necessarily a man. I know that we're living in 2021 and we're not allowed to say man. We're not allowed to say woman. We're not allowed to say boy or girl. But guess what? That's how we were created. I'm sorry. I'll always be a guy. I'll always be a dude. I'm just sorry. If that offends my wife, I'm sorry. 
we've gotten, we, we've gotten so sensitive. What happened to us? We've gotten to the point where our feelings get hurt if somebody lifts up an eyebrow the wrong way at us. That's a different message. Look at verse 8. It says, but the tongue can no man or woman tame. It is an unruly evil. The word unruly, are you ready for this? It means it is unrestrainable. Let me ask this question. Have you ever tried to hold your tongue and then still lost it? I tried to be good. Mommy, mommy, I tried to do a good job and I blew it. Have you ever done that? Man, I remember years ago, my little funny little honey and I, we would have discussions. I'll be honest, and she'll, she'll be honest with you too. We, rare, we rarely have disagreements or arguments or anything like that. We, we just don't. I mean, knock on wood, I don't want to have an argument, so don't pick one today. Uh, it'd be like, yeah, the day the pastor preached on the tongue, he's going to go home and lose it. No, that's not the desire. But I remember years ago uh, when we would have uh, problems where our tongues would be unrestrained <laughs> and we would say things, it would break my heart. It would break my heart. Guys, it's so important that we understand the power of the tongue and that we recognize that we cannot restrain it. We cannot hold it back. You think that you are able to do all things. You are not able unless you are connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. Without Him, the Bible says we can do nothing, including taming the tongue. Sadly, it's been said that no member of the body has ever done Satan more service than the tongue. No member of the body has ever done the devil more service than the tongue. And the reason we struggle with the management of our tongue is because there's a problem with our source. There's a problem with the source. Look at verse number 9 and following. The Bible says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude or the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine or figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Folks, if the source is bad, then I got news for you. Our words are going to be bad. And some of you are saying, what's the source? Hold on for just a second. If the source is bad, then our words will be bad. Therefore, the taming problem is always the result of a root problem. You see, we might try to tame the tongue. We might try to be a good steward of the tongue. But if the source is wrong, then the taming process becomes wrong. Someone has said growing figs isn't merely a matter of technique. And the same is true with grapes. At the end of the day, technique and understanding may help, but the most important thing, whether you're growing uh, figs or grapes, is to have the right tree or vine. To have the right tree or vine. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6, and maybe this will make sense. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And drop down when you get there, Luke chapter 6. Look with me in verse 43. 43 and following. Maybe what I just said will make sense to you. It says, Jesus speaking here. 
He says, for a good tree bringeth forth not for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. Catch it? A fig tree is known, a fig tree is known by its fruit, grapevine by its fruit, you and I by its fruit. Now watch, he goes on, he says, uh, for the thorns of men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, verse 45, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for the, of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Jesus is telling us that our heart, the inner person, not, if you were here when we did our Wednesday night series on choosing wisely, you, you remember what we were talking about when we see in the book of Proverbs, uh, the heart being referenced is not talking about the physical organ that pumps blood, but is speaking of the inner person, the inner man, the inner woman. And so Jesus is saying that our inner person, our heart, is the source, here it is, of our words. Therefore, if I look back at verse 45 of Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. Oh, my friends, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17 9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's why we need Jesus' help. You can't control your tongue. I can't control my tongue without the help of our Lord. It's impossible. It's impossible, Jesus says, to get our words from anywhere other than the source. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And let me just stop and say this. Sometimes it would be better, watch me, and it, this is not what God's calling us to do. He wants us to use this gift, but sometimes it might be better if you and I put a lock on it. There are some people... If they're pulling from the wrong source, they need to keep the trap shut. Because what happens is when you and I go out this building, you know who we're representing? Who are we representing? We're representing the Lord Jesus Christ. We're representing the King of Kings. We're representing the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the all-powerful, the almighty, the one, the only King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so when we go out of this place, if you're not pulling your words from the correct source, then guess what? It would be better, and even the book of Proverbs confirms that you'll actually be counted as wise, it would be better if you just do this. Throw away the key or whatever until you can get the source right. And by the way, you have nothing to do with the source. Jesus is the source. He does it all. Typically, what we do is we always try to lay the blame at the feet of everyone and anything else. When we say something wrong, don't we? We're like, well, he made me do it. My wife made me do it. My kids, I'm up to here, and they made me do it. We, we have a, an answer for everything. I remember when I was about five or six years old, and my brothers and I were doing what four boys, my youngest brother hadn't been born at that point, I was the youngest, and I remember my parents were out, and I can't remember the occasion, but I do remember the occasion, and so my memory is crystal clear. Uh, at 54 years of age, I still remember what was getting ready to happen, 
I don't remember, like I said, whether I was five or six, but I remember we were having a good old-fashioned pillow fight. And my parents had given explicit directions, no fighting, no playing football in the living room, which was something we liked to do. And, you know, my oldest, I was the number four son, so my oldest brother and I, one in four against the second son and the third son. So we, that's how we chose teams. Like the number one son and the number four son equaled five, and the number two son and the number three son equaled five. And so we had even teams. Made sense to us. That's how smart we were. <laughs> I remember it got a little volatile, and I was the youngest, which I was also the smallest. And I remember getting clocked, as always happened, being the number four son. And I remember in the heat of this, this battle that I said something that should never come out of the mouth of anyone. I don't know to this day where I heard it. I don't know to this day where I picked it up. But I basically looked at one of my brothers and I called him a name that had a reference to my mom. And the moment I said that phrase, it was as if, man, my dad knew exactly when I was going to say that. Because as soon as I said it, boom, the door opened. And you know, he had no problem figuring out which of the four boys uttered those words. He looked at me with the long arm of the law. Are, are you talking about my brother? You mean Blake? You, you mean Jeff? You mean Brad? I really didn't understand what I had done until my dad explained what I had done. And you know what I did? Instead of taking responsibility for that, I blamed it on my brothers. Isn't that what we do? I blamed it on my brothers. I said, I'm just saying what they said. Guess who got the whooping? I say whooping. I should be kind. The spanking. In James chapter 1, just a page over from where you are, the Bible says in verse number 26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceives his own heart, that man's religion is in vain. Folks, if we're not controlling our tongue, it's because there is a problem with the heart. Plain and simple, Finish the statement, stop, period, whatever you want to put at the end of it. If we're not controlling our tongue, it's because in that moment there is a problem with inside of our, tongue, inside of our hearts. That's why, we, again, we need the Lord's help. I think about in the Old Testament, it was Ezekiel. He was looking forward to the time of Christ. And it was God who was speaking to Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 36. Notice what the Bible says in verse 23 and following. It says, and I will. By the way, as I read it, notice all the times that God says, I'm going to do something. He says, and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all the countries 
and will bring you into your own land, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? Verse 26, here it is. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Oh yes, at the moment of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 reinforces the idea that if any man's in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so the point of that is this. Once Jesus Christ comes in, it's more possible for you and I to store up in our heart and to bring forth the good treasure from our heart, good fruit out of our lips. It's possible. It's possible to do it. You say, well, I just can't control my tongue. You need to connect with the source. You need to connect with the source of the good heart that God puts into you. So the question that must be considered as we finish looking at this short passage is, what does the source of my words look like? What does the source of my words look like? And, and when I speak, where do people think that I'm getting my words? Well, look at verse 14 and following. In verse 14, the Bible says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, watch what it says, descends not from above, but is earthly. It's sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now look back at verse 15. It says, this wisdom descends not from above, but watch it, it says it's earthly. That means it originates from this world. You're not getting those words from God's word. You're getting those words from what you see taking place in this world, this cosmos. And so watch, then it says sensual. That means our words are animal-like. Then you see devilish. Well, like I, the person said uh, earlier, uh, our words are serving the devil more than they serve God. But look what it says in verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. That means it's clean. It's consecrated. Then it says it's peaceable. Our words, if we're, if we're following wisdom from above that's peaceable, then our words are going to be that which seeks reconciliation and solutions. Instead of seeking conflict all the time, which seems to be the norm in 2020 and 2021, if you don't agree with what I say politically or otherwise, then guess what? You're a bad person. You're a devilish person. You're on your way to hell. You just don't understand. You're this, you're that, you're that. Can I tell you something? I'm not going to heaven based on who the president is. I'm going to heaven because Jesus died for my sins. We got to get off of this stuff of trusting uh, governors and council members and school board members and all these other things to live our lives for us. we got to live our lives as Christ followers and be committed to it. Why is it so quiet in here? Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. That means it's compliant with the Word of God, full of mercy and good fruits. If our words are full of mercy and good fruits, folks, that's going to be proof that God is living on the inside. It says our, this wisdom from above is without partiality. It means it's fair. 
and without hypocrisy. It's consistent with our actions. In other words, the question becomes, does, our steward, does the stewardship of our, of our tongue point to a heart that is sourced from wisdom that's from above, or do the words of our mouth point to a source in our heart that is from somewhere else? Hmm. Do our words indicate that we have seriously been changed by the gospel? Or do our words speak of a life devoted to a heart of stone? Honestly, only Jesus, only Jesus is the way to tame our tongues. The only way our tongue can be cured is if you and I habitually contemplate the love and the goodness of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. As the writer of Hebrews declared in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Folks, we need to look to Him, we need to study Him, and we need to begin copying Him. It's not enough just to look and see Jesus high and lifted up. You remember when Isaiah saw Jesus, uh, the Lord on His throne high and lifted up, it wasn't enough for him just to look at Him. He said, woe is me. Woe is me, I'm a man undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. You remember the angel came and touched the coal and cleansed him and healed him. And, and Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Allow me to do something. I've seen you. I've looked at you. I've studied you. And now I want to go and I want to copy you. This is what we must do. I was thinking as I was writing those notes about Isaiah and, and thinking about this idea of looking to Jesus and studying Him and copying Him, I was thinking of that song, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. You know the old, the old song says, What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. I have ceased from my wandering way and going astray since Jesus came into my heart. And my sins, which were many, amen, were all washed away since Jesus came into my heart. Oh, my friends, if our speech is going to be pure and peaceable and gentle and on and on, it must be a product of a renewed heart and a renewed mind. Again, James says in one, James 1.26, he says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. It's vain, it's wasted, it's useless, it's of no account is what he's saying. And folks, maybe you're here, maybe you're watching and you've never been saved. I've got good news for you. And the good news is that Jesus stands ready. He stands ready. He's willing. He's able. He's already accomplished it. He stands ready to forgive you. He stands ready to bring about change in your heart. He stands ready to bring about change in your life and in your words. And so I encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ, just to admit the need. That's all. Just, God, I need you. That's all He's saying. Just admit your need and ask Him to come into your life. Trust Christ. And you say, well, good, Pastor. Sick them. Tell the lost person what they need. Well, if you're here and you're a believer, oh, my friends, the condemnation is greater that we go out of this place as good stewards of our tongue. Maybe you've already been saved. Well, it's important to recognize that if you're going to become a better manager or a better steward of your tongue, that it's only going to take place if you depend on Jesus. You're only going to be able to control this as you depend more and more and more on Jesus. And to depend more on Jesus, you're going to have to allow His Word to penetrate your heart and your mind. 
Oh yes, we need to recognize the power of our words. We need to realize that only Jesus can help us to become better stewards. And then lastly, I just simply close, embrace our responsibility to speak well. We have to embrace the responsibility. We've been given this gift. We have to embrace the responsibility to speak well. Remember, we don't choose to be stewards. We are stewards. And just as life is a reality, so is death. And I put in my notes, since we were created in the image of Almighty God, we have a huge responsibility. Many of you are big Spider-Man fans. And you remember the saying there, they talk about with great power comes great responsibility. The power of the tongue is great. But as Christ followers, the responsibility is great as well. The gift of speech is a great blessing. But remember, our speech is a servant of the heart. Our tongue never speaks at random. Do you know that? Our tongue never speaks at random. That's crazy to think about. It never speaks at random. When we speak, we reveal to God. Watch this. We reveal to God and we advertise to others whether or not our heart is diseased or whether our heart is healthy. I think that's why Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and we were talking about this a little bit on Wednesday night. I think that that's why he wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 15, and he reminded them that they needed to be speaking the truth in love. I think that's why he reminds them in Ephesians 4 and 20 and verse 29 to let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Listen, we got to quit using words. We got to quit texting. We got to quit Facebook posting. We got to quit Twittering and, and snapping and whatever else you do. I don't have them all. I keep, I keep telling my son I'm going to get a Snapchat. And he's like, please don't. I'm going to get me a snap. I'm going to snap a bunch of y'all. Snap y'all back into shape. He says, please don't, Dad. Please. What's your, what's your, what's, he said, like, what's your username going to be? I said, I said, Pastor G. And then I said, Papa P. I was giving him all kinds. He's like, please don't. Please don't. I don't know what kind of name you're supposed to put on those things. I just really want to go out there and check on y'all. You know, it's my job to keep an eye on the flock. And sometimes what I see, and I'm just going to be real transparent, and my wife will tell you, sometimes what I see some of our people posting and talking about and sharing, you know it. It breaks my heart. Because we are representatives of the king. We shouldn't even, listen, you know the Bible says don't answer a fool after his folly. There's some wisdom in that one statement. We ought to protect ourselves. We ought to protect the gifts that we have been given. We're called to be light. We're called to be salt. Oh, listen, you're not, you're not drawing men to the foot of the cross by going out on social media and being angry. You're not drawing people to Jesus by posting angry posts and condemning everyone. You're not, you're, not, you're not lifting high the name of Jesus by telling me all your dirty deeds and all these other... That, that brings no honor and glory to God. And if you're doing this, you might as well be doing this. Oh, the tongue is such an important gift. I shared with us two weeks ago, you remember I was sharing how Paul writes to the church at Colossus in Colossians 3, in verse number 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you in all richly, in all wisdom, 
in all wisdom. And then he says this, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Listen, if you want to post something, post something positive about Jesus. If you want to start a Snapchat or never, that's not even a good analogy. If you want to start a thread or something, whatever they call those things, do it in a way that brings honor to, and glory to God. Don't get caught up in the affairs of this world because I got news for you. One day this world's coming to an end and all this fluff and all this stuff is going to go away. And the only thing that's really important is what we're doing with Jesus right now. Sorry, that was a little sidebar comment. We must, we must, we must be cautious with what we allow to enter the mind through the eye gate, through the ear gate, and otherwise we must be cautious of what we allow because here's what I know, those things that come into the mind, they have a way of making themselves down to our heart and then the Bible, as Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So guess what? If we allow it in, if we allow it in, if we allow it to be a part of our thinking, our, and I call it stinking thinking, and, and it makes its way down to our heart, then in some point, at some time, it's going to come out of our mouth. It's so incredibly important. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things similar to what I read from Luke 6. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Jesus was saying that by their words and actions, their words and actions would actually prove whether or not they were true believers. He was like, your words are going to give you away, sir. Your words are going to tell the tale on whether you're one of my followers or not. You know, the same is true today. God is the initiator and owner of everything, and we are his stewards. The Bible says, moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. And so I simply ask the question, how faithful have you been with the use of your tongue? And then I offer a prayer, and you may want to write this reference down. I offer a prayer for all of us that we might be like David of old who said in Psalm 19.14, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength, my Redeemer, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had in your word today. Lord, we ask you to do now what only you can in our hearts. Whether there's somebody here that has never trusted in Christ or maybe there's somebody here that knows the Lord and understands the power of their words, understands the potential to either direct or to cause catastrophic damage. They understand that. But Lord, we also understand that it is only through your power, only through your might, 
only through your spirit that we'll be able to control our tongues. And so, Lord, we ask you to do what only you can do. God, but like everything, there first must be a willing heart. And so, God, I pray for those that right now would indicate to you that they are willing. They want to change. They want to be better with this gift, this use of their tongue in the upcoming year. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to do better with the gift of this tongue that I have. Would you pray for me that I might be a better steward, a better manager of my speech in the coming days? If that's you, would you just look at me so I can recognize your prayer? Because I see you. God bless you. God bless, God bless you. I see folks all throughout. God bless you. I see you. If I don't see you, catch my attention. I see you. Bless your heart. I want to do better with the gift of speech as I make my way across. I see you. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Bless you back here in the back. I see you. I see you. I want to do better. I want to be a better steward of this gift. God bless you. Someone else. I see you, bro. It's hard, especially, right, when we're at this younger age. I'm younger. I'm, I'm about only two or three years older than you, right? It's hard. Someone else say, I want to be a better steward. God bless you. I see you. But greater than me seeing you is that God sees you. He sees your heart. I see you. God bless you. He sees your desire to do better with the gift that He's given you. So God, you've seen the hearts. You've seen the desire. And so Lord, I ask you to do what you can only do. I ask you to give us wisdom. I ask you to give us power. I ask you to give us the ability to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it according to the source. And certainly, Lord, we need to build up our source. We need to be in Your Word. We need to be applying Your Word. And so, Lord, help us not only to look to You and to study You, but to copy You. Copy Your example that we see in Scripture. That when men reviled against You, You reviled not. Lord, help us to understand that You've given us an example that we might follow. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that has never called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of their sin, that they would do that right now. It's simply a matter of the heart desiring God for you to forgive them and to come into their life. If that's you this morning, I pray that you'll do it, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your powerful word. We thank you for the reminder today that we have been given a, a job. A job to be faithful with the stewardship, the management, if you please, with this gift that you have given us. The gift of our tongue and the gift of our speech and communication. Lord, I pray that our communication from this day forward would honor you in such a way, oh my Lord, that it would honor you, that you would use us to draw men and women and young people unto yourself. God, that you would begin to use us as vessels that you could flow through and that people will see Christ living in us, not only through our thoughts and our, 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 our things that we think, but the things that we say and do. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way as we sing a song of invitation. Lord, we open up the altar. God, where people can come and they can praise you, they can come and pray to you. Lord, we open up the altar. Maybe there's someone here that's looking for a good church home. Whatever the need is, whatever the desire is, Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way during this time of invitation. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.